Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread his love in ever-widening circles. If we haven't met, my name's Ryan Moore. I'm the pastor of care here at the Life Christian Church. Uh, we're, we're continuing our series today called Legends, Adventures of Discipleship. And today I want to look at two women, Martha and Mary, and what we learn about discipleship through them. What is a disciple? We have to first ask that question. What is a disciple? The standard definition of disciple is someone who adheres to the teachings of another. It is a follower or learner. It refers to someone who takes up the ways of someone else. Applied to Jesus, a disciple is someone who learns from him to live like him. And so let's start today with a series of what if questions. Let's suppose that the doorbell rings and when you answer it, there stands the President of the United States. What would you do? What if LeBron James showed up at your front door? What would you do? What if Michelle Obama dropped by for a a visit? What would you do? And what would you do if you opened the door and you found that Jesus Christ wanted to come in and spend some time with you? What would you do then? That's not far-fetched as it may seem. In fact, that's happened to these two sisters who lived in a tiny village not far from Jerusalem. Our, Our scripture verse tells us how they responded to an unexpected visit from the Son of God. One point needs to be made at the beginning. Both Martha and Mary evidently knew who Jesus was and were glad to welcome him into their home. It is obvious that they were thrilled to have such a visitor even if it seems that they were caught off completely off guard or by surprise. They both loved him and were thrilled to have him stay with them. And so Mary and Martha, they were hospitable. Scripture says this in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Hospitality then can be defined as the quality or disposition of receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm, friendly, generous way. In the New Testament, the Greek word translated hospitality literally means love of strangers. And so hospitality is truly shown when we share the things that refresh us the most with guests or strangers. Why is this important to the passage today? Because during his public ministry, Jesus and his disciples depended entirely on hospitality of others as they ministered from town to town. Likewise, the early Christians also depended on and received hospitality from others. In fact, travelers in ancient times depended heavily on hospitality of strangers as traveling could be very dangerous and there were very few inns or places to stay. And so the first point we understand today is this. We see Martha's mission, Martha's mission. So here's the scene. Martha does what's expected. She pulls out all the stops. She gets a meal ready for Jesus. She's demonstrating being an hospitable leader. Martha is getting the pots and pans out and she's preparing the lasagna with garlic bread or the arroz con pollo or the fried chicken with collard greens and mac and cheese or some honey garlic glazed salmon. I'm just hungry right now. (laughs) 
And she's making sure that there's enough chocolate chip cookie dough for dessert. You get the point. She has a servant's heart and does not begrudge the time or the effort. It is a gift of love to Jesus. As time rolled along, she did many things at once. She was multitasking. She was folding napkins, preparing the salad, arranging the dinner table, putting the proper drinking glasses out, dessert cups for everyone. Preparing this big meal is a big job and requires time and effort and true commitment. Meals don't cook themselves. Not everyone can sit in the living room and listen to the guest of honor. Someone has to be in the kitchen or else everyone else will starve. And thoughts such as these began to go through Martha's mind. Luke chapter 10, verse 39 and 40 says she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Screaming on Jesus. Martha wanted Mary to behave in the traditional woman's role of that time. It was unthinkable for a woman to sit at the feet of a rabbi and listen to him teach. Women could only congregate in the women's court of the temple, nowhere near the men. So for Mary to sit down at the feet of Jesus and to listen to his teaching amongst a group of men was remarkable. The problem with Martha isn't that she was working to serve Jesus. A lot of people read this story and conclude that it's about choosing a contemplative life. And that's, you know, it's better to sit at the feet of Jesus and serve him. That's not really what the text is saying at all. There's a lot of problems if you interpret it that way. One of them is that this account follows Jesus' story about the Good Samaritan, in which Jesus commands us to serve him by, what, loving our neighbors in practical ways. Jesus isn't opposed to our service. In, in fact, he, he commands it. So the problem wasn't Martha's service. The problem is what she had allowed her service to distract her from what matters most. And so Luke chapter 10, verse 41 says this, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Let these words sit there for a moment for all of us today. Anxious and troubled about many things is a good description of how many of us live. Jesus points out that even good things like serving him can cause us to be anxious and troubled and to miss out on one of the things that matters most that will not be taken away from us. It's like what Jesus said in uh, Luke chapter eight, he speaks of a group of people who receive the word of God, but it's growth in their lives is what? Choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this world. We see that in Luke chapter eight, verse 14. And so what may hinder the growth of God's word in our lives? According to Jesus, our busyness and distraction is a serious spiritual issue. It can rob us of what matters most in our lives. The greatest enemy to our spiritual life may be our busyness, distraction, and preoccupation with things that are good, but that distract us from what matters most. Carl Jung said this, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. That we continue to have a life of just hurriness, hurry, 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 hurry. 
that we never slow down to hear from God. So making dinner for Jesus seems like such a great opportunity. What wouldn't you give or pay for such a moment like that? But the Bible says it was a distraction. Distractions often come disguised as opportunities. We are running to keep up with the demands of our culture that requires more energy than we have to give. And ministry is no exception. In a simple story of two sisters named Mary and Martha, we find a better way, one that transforms everything. Life Christian Church, we can learn a lot from these two sisters, Mary and Martha, and their interaction with Jesus. It's clear that Martha is one who did the good deed of opening her home to Jesus. She's the one who took care of all the preparations that were to be made. Obviously, serving is a very important part of the Christian life. And Martha excelled at serving. And our passage says that Mary, on the other hand, was content to sit at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he said, or in the King James Version, to hear his word. So was Mary goofing off while her sister worked? Well, her sister thought so. Martha was so practical. She took her work very seriously, but she was also missing her moment. She was saying, in essence, tell her to leave the very real presence of God because I need her to help me in the kitchen. It's more than the fact that Martha was making dinner, though. Scripture says that Martha was distracted. Jesus answered, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. In short, he tells Martha, there'll always be work to do, but isn't it better to be with me? For Jesus, the relationship is more important than the task. In fact, the relationship is the task. The relationship is the task. He says to all people everywhere in every age, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. As leaders and disciples of Christ, it's easy to identify with Martha. We too are busy doing good things for good reasons. We're answering the call to serve out of our passion to spread God's love in ever-widening circles. But we can't let our ministry become a distraction from being with Jesus. I'm speaking from my heart. This is a very busy season of ministry. It's opportunities for us here at the Life Christian Church. Every Tuesday, there's uh, anxiety and trouble in my spirit. Because there's new opportunities to start the week. There's new projects to be done, and I look forward to those things. But the first thing I do is get away from the projects and hide myself in the prayer room. Because I want God to speak to me. I want him to empower the task that I'm going to do today. I need his wisdom on doing it. I can't do it in my own strength. And so we have to understand this. Don't let our ministry become a distraction from being with the Lord. No matter how great an opportunity it appears to be, if it doesn't leave us with enough time to sit at the Lord's feet and listen to what he says, 
we have not chosen what's best. We see Martha's mission, but we see Mary's position. Luke chapter 10, verse 39 says, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Evidently, Mary never said a word when her sister confronted Jesus. I think that was a, probably a good idea. What could she say that would have satisfied Martha anyway? Mary only appears three times in the Gospels, Luke 10, John 11, and John 12. And in all three places, she's always in the same place, at the feet of Jesus. We never see her anywhere else. And so in our scripture, she's at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words. And consider what this means. She's sitting in quietness. She's sitting at the Lord's feet, closeness. She's sitting at the Lord's feet, listening, total attention to the Lord. And she's sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to his word in total submission. These are four words that reveal Mary's heart. And it gives us a model for what we need to do as well. We need to come to the Lord in quietness, closeness, attention to him, and submission. She's utterly devoted to the Lord and wants nothing more just to hear him. Look what Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 42. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. What is that one thing? The one thing is sitting at Jesus' feet, learning from him, being in his presence. The one thing is to order our lives in such a way that we have room to slow down to stop doing, and to start to listen to our Savior's teaching. Life is all-consuming. There will always be more to do. You could add 10 hours to each day, and at the end, it would only keep you more busy. Jesus teaches us that sitting at his feet is important, no matter how many demands are placed on us. And I love what Jesus says, the good portion will not be taken away from her. Almost everything that keeps us busy leaves us with results that will be taken away from us. C clean your house. It'll be dirty next week. <laughs> Organize your finances. There's new bills midweek. Serve those in need. The demand will never stop. Answer those text messages and emails from work today. You'll have more Monday morning. All these things have a place. But if you want to spend your time on something that lasts, slow down enough to sit at Jesus' feet. There's no more important meal than this. It's a portion that will never be removed from you being at the feet of Jesus in his presence. So we see Martha's mission, we see Mary's position, but now we see words of wisdom from Jesus. He says in verse 41 and 42, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus repeated Martha's name with a calming, tender patience. 
I, I read that text and I just remember like when my mom or my dad would call me Ryan Ryan, that was, it was a bad time for me. <laughs> but here it's different, it's Martha, Martha, with a calm, tender patience. It upsets Martha that something she considered of utmost importance, preparing food and caring for Jesus and his disciples was left solely up to her. Mary, however, prioritized listening to Jesus over domestic chores. Jesus was then ignoring the traditional role of women and encouraging Mary's desire to listen and to learn that she had a place, that you can be here as well. You can learn and have wisdom and teach the good things that I'm giving to you as well. And so Jesus ignores the traditional role of that day. He didn't say that Martha's service was unimportant. Jesus made it clear that service to others is an important part of his ministry. But he wanted Martha to realize two important truths. First, being his disciple and learning about his teachings come first. All other things are secondary. A lot of times we have it flipped, where doing the task is number one, and then if we have time with Jesus, we'll spend time with Jesus. But Jesus says, no, it's the other way around. Spend time with me, all the other things come second. Second, Jesus gently reminds her she was worried and upset about many things. Martha's desire to be a superb hostess caused her anxiety, hard feelings towards her sister, and an outburst towards Jesus. Had she calmly gone to Jesus with her dilemma, he would have advised her and helped her work it out. Why do we know this? Well, scripture tells us in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, do what? Present your requests to God. And then what happens after verse 6? Verse 7 pops in. And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace that reassures our, our mind, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands God over our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus is yours. He is the prince of it. He's the Prince of Peace. Our covenant with Jesus is about peace. And so we should always run to him when we are troubled because he will give us everlasting peace. And so what can we learn from Mary and Martha? We, we, we live extremely busy lives. We have to constantly juggle between work pressures, home projects, church responsibilities, kids' schedules, and many more. And in all of these, we often compromise or sacrifice our time with God. We often think that God knows what we're going through and he understands our pressures. Absolutely, he does. Surely God knows and understands everything. But this story is a reminder that we need to set our priorities right. Our first and foremost choice must be our daily quiet time with God. Everything else can come after that. Everything else can wait. This is not some legalistic thing that we need to follow, but we need to do so because it's the better choice. It's the better choice. What are the principles that we 
we draw from this passage? Well, number one, our priorities matter. However, it is essential that we make time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Do not let our busy lives and acts of service get in the way of spending time in his word. Anxiety doesn't solve problems. Jesus does. Acts of service, hospitality are a mark of discipleship, but they should come from a heart overflowing with Jesus' love, which we develop by what? Sitting in quietness before him, being at his feet in closeness, listening attentively to the Lord and being in his word in total submission to it. And so how can we apply what we've learned today? A couple of applications for us as we conclude. Number one, align your schedule with your priorities. Decide what matters most to you and schedule that. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you must put in spiritual disciplines, prayer time, reading of scripture, quietness before God. Keep working on your schedule until your schedule aligns with your values and then stick to it. We have to align our schedule with our priorities, time with Christ and everything else after that. Number two, destroy your distractions. Destroy your distractions. Don't scale back, destroy it. If being overburdened and overstretched is a danger to your soul, we must see overcommitment as a spiritual issue that it is. We must take radical action to neutralize this threat to our souls. And number three, practice a weekly Sabbath. Practice a weekly Sabbath. Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which literally means to stop. It's woven into the very fabric of creation in the first pages of Genesis. It means to take a day of your week and stop. Slow down. Breathe. I diligently practice Sabbath because it's a weekly reminder to accept my limits. I'm not God. We have a perfect savior and I'm not him. So it's an act of trust taking a Sabbath to say, God, you're in control of everything. This church, my life, my business, it's all in your hands. Ronnie Martin, pastor of Substance Church said this, limitations are a gracious thing. They allow us to rest physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Boundaries remind people that they shouldn't look to us as their functional saviors. May I offer a prayer this morning? Father, you're just so good. So kind and caring towards us. You're so generous, loving, gracious, and merciful. You teach us this lesson today so that we may live this abundant life that you've given us, life in all of its fullness, life in all the blessings and the gifts. But God, you also are telling us that we have to slow down to enjoy the gift. 
And so, Father, help us learn to cherish and make time to simply sit at your feet and be in your presence. At the same time, Lord, show us how to live a life of integrity in which we're a people of your word. Teach us how to discipline our steps and invest our time in a way that pleases you and honors the plan you have for our lives. Only you can bring a holy balance to our life as we surrender our agenda and every priority to your perfect plan. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.